Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. On today's episode, we have an, a bringing interview with um, Terry Marcel, uh, the writer and director behind a favourite 80s film of mine called Hawk the Slayer. Um, in the interview, Terry talks about Hawk the Slayer, but he also has a chat with us about Hawk the Hunter, which is a, a sequel that he's got in the works, and he needs a bit of help to raise funds for it. So, therefore, I set up a Kickstarter campaign. Um, as of this edition of the show, the Kickstarter campaign's already, already raised about £18,000 towards the, uh, the $500,000 uh, target. Um, so, you know, if, if, you, if you really want to see the film get made, I suggest you get pledging. Uh, but before you do so, you know, please have a listen to the interview. Two blood brothers out for each other. You have found the power which is rightly mine. The firstborn brother, they called him Voltan. Enter, dumb one. The devil's agent, the servant of evil. Kill him! The second-born brother, they called him Hawk. He had one secret weapon, the ancient power of the Sword of Mind, and he was out for revenge. I'd like to welcome uh, director, writer, producer Terry Marcel to the show, um, who's going to be talking to us about um, Hawk the Slayer, among, among, uh, among other things, including Hawk the Hunter. How are you doing, Terry? Yeah, we're doing fine. Um, we are hoping that uh, everything's going to go uh, well this coming 30th. That's when we go to Fright Fest. They're showing Hawk the Slayer there, and uh, I'm up on the stage presenting it and then doing a Q&A afterwards, and uh, that's where we're going to tell everybody about the Kickstarter program. That's going to be launched on that day, and we'll be looking for the final piece of money uh, for Hawk the Hunter, the sequel. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, well, first off, I've got I've got a few questions. Um, you know, namely about your career as well as Hawk the Slayer and and, and and various other things. If that's okay. Of course. Yeah. Well, first off, um, I know I, I know that you're actually from um, from a family that's uh, being involved with, with with the film business. But I'm just wondering, how did you become interested in in in, in the film business and and whatnot? A very strange story, really. I mean, it's all about, isn't it? You know, uh, what happens, uh, what fate's got in store for you. I. My father moved to um, a little 
village in Colebrook way back, I can't remember, about 59. And uh, I was sort of, you know, not really doing anything, wasn't, you know, uh, particularly interested in anything. And he said to me one day, he said, why don't you get on your bike and ride over to Pinewood Studios and try and get a job there as a runner or something? So I thought, well, why not? And uh, I rode over to the studio and was stopped at the gate by security and a man called Morris there. And I said to him, look, I wonder if I could get a job here. And he said, look, just hold on a minute. And he called up the personnel officer there, who was kind enough to let me in and see him. And I met him and he said, look, he said, you know, here's a list of people trying to get jobs as mailboys here. There's about 20 people on the list. He said, but I'll put you on the list if you like. He said, and, uh, you know, who knows? And I got back on my bike and rode home. When I got home, the phone rang and it was this man, Zephy Harris. He said, look, you just came in to see me. He said, one of our runners can't, uh, one of our male boys can't come for a couple of weeks. The others don't seem to be available. Do you want to come in tomorrow and start? That's how I started. Wow. I mean, you know, to be honest, to get, get into business now, you'd probably need to, uh, you know, have a university degree or have gone to film school <laughs> or something. Whereas, you know, it sounds like it was, you know, probably um, a little bit more, more, more accessible back then. I think it was, and, and don't forget that Pinewood was the school itself. I mean, when you started there as a third male boy, you were taught, you know, everything about filmmaking. So you did, you went from third male boy to second male boy to first male boy. Then you were lucky enough uh, to go to one of the departments that you'd chosen. You know, you could either go in camera, sound, or I wanted to be an assistant director. And so I went into the production department as a runner, Third runner, second runner, first runner. And during that time, you're expected to learn everything about being a third assistant. And finally, you get your break to become a third assistant. And in those days, before you became a fully-fledged member of the union, you had to go to, uh, to a board of your peers, and they, all, they would vet you and decide whether or not you could come on board as a third assistant. And, of course, from then onwards, you had to do so many years as a third, so many years as a second, before you could become a first assistant. Mm -hmm. So it's more, more of an apprenticeship than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely, and a good one, too. Maybe should maybe it should actually bring that sort of system back for a lot of the jobs that, that are around today. Well, I wouldn't really care to comment, but I have uh, experienced some lack of knowledge in my particular area uh, for people who've moved very fast to become first assistants and uh, really don't have the... Uh, the background to do it, but there you go. Okay. Well, I've noticed. Um, I've noticed. I've read your uh, IMDb uh, profile. You've done. You know, it seems to me you've done a lot of television as well as film. I and, have, yes. And you've done. You've done some like uh, lots of different genres, from children's television through to, uh, you know, through to sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. Yeah. Um, now, if it wasn't just just about paying the bills, and you could actually pick um, any of any of any of those genres, uh, which would it be, and what what would what what, what genre would you like to most explore? There's a, there's only one genre for me: sword and sorcery. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely number one, way out ahead of everything else. Mm. Yeah, and, and it seems to me that there's, uh, there's still still quite a lot that's uh, that's not been done in, in in that genre as well. I totally agree with you. That's why I think that the uh, the sequel to Hawk the Slayer, Hawk the Hunter, is very sword and sorcery. It's very Fritz Lieber, very Conan, and I think that uh, you know this will be achieve some of the things I wanted to achieve, especially now that the technology, uh, my script's caught up with the technology, or the technique technology's caught up with the script that we wrote. Um, and, of course, you know, in the long term, we've also been discussing a television series, which uh, 
if the if the sequel goes well, then we'll go to a TV series. Well, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that all works out because I, I'd, I'd actually love to see a, a second song at Hawk film. I remember seeing the first one, uh, yeah. the only one that you've done so far, um, and it was on a it was on a rather iffy video. Yeah, admitting it back <laughs> in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, and and it was actually tagged on to the uh, back end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. I think long play video had just been invented back then, because <laughs> somehow my you know my brother's friend managed to get two three films on this same tape, right. <laughs> and right. Heart of Snail was one of them. And I remember getting to the end of it and thinking, you know, there's there's definitely more scope and more stories that can be told here. Yeah. Well, there, there has some. Well, I mean, since the since the inquiry into a TV series by a distribution company, and on the basis that the, the the sequel does well, I had to go back and reinvent an awful lot of material because the script, the script, the two scripts as they stand wouldn't really give you a big enough arc or a big enough storyline to support a, um, a television series. So I've reinvented a lot of the material and I've based a lot of it now around the hilt of the sword, the green stone, the mind stone. Where did it come from? What does it do? What's its purpose? It's very much uh, a, a, a different arc now to what it was. So it's probably gone a little bit sort of like Lord of the Rings and you've got more of a history of the mind stone. Exactly. More sort of scenario, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yep. Um, you, 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 re- you just said uh, before that, you know, obviously he was influenced by uh, the books of Robert E. Howard, um, yeah. who, of course, created Conan the Barbarian, because um, I read those books myself when I was in my teens. Um, yeah. what, what would you say your other influences um, have been for, for the film story? Well, for, strangely enough, the reason that I set out to do uh, Hawk the Slayer was it wasn't going to be a sword and sorcery. I'd been I'd been working with this uh, with Harry Robertson, who was my partner on uh, Hawk. Uh, he was doing the music for a couple of small movies I was doing, and one day I was chatting to him, and uh, we talked about our love for some of the, the great Japanese movies. One in particular was Ojimbo, and I said to him, "You know, Ojimbo was made into a fantastic, you know, western, pistol of dollars." I said, "But but what I'm trying to do, I said, is I'm trying to turn it turn it into a story about a." you know, a wandering knight who comes back from the Crusades. Same type of thing, you know, same type of look. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going off to uh, Spain for a couple of weeks. I said, when I come back, I'll have a, you know, a script outlined and uh, we'll work on it together. Well, I went off to Spain, sat, started, started to write it, and I had an incredible problem with the sword. The sword was always on the back, uh, on his back, and I couldn't get it out. And I thought, how am I going to get this sword into his hand quickly? Because I wanted quick draw, really. And suddenly occurred to me, why don't I make it a magic sword? And from then onwards, it developed into a, a sword and sorcery story. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's also um, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, I briefly mentioned Star Wars to you before in, in yeah. that, you know, the film was on the tail end of that. And, you know, the, the, the way his mind's connected to the sword, it could almost be similar. It's very similar to the Force. Indeed, indeed it is. It, uh, uh, and I now know why it does it, which I didn't know before. So it was one of the problems I had to solve when I wanted to take this further into a TV series. And, you know, so there are, there are a lot of interesting reasons why the sword does what it does. I, you know, I can tell you a little bit about the sequel. It... it in the sequel, you find out that there basically there are three stones like this. Two are one one uh, you saw in Hawk the Slayer, which the uh, wizards have. Mm-hmm. One Hawk has, and there's a third one, which I can't tell you where that is at this point. 
And it's also about a, a dark sword. So before the mind sword was forged, there was another sword before it, which was so evil, so dark, that the troll that made it hid it away forever. And in this sequel, Voltan is risen from the dead by the wizards to find that sword, which they hope can destroy a hawk and bring them one of the other uh, stones. That's as far as I'm going. Cool. I mean, you know, it, it, that, that sort of makes sense because um, in, in, the, uh, in the original, it was actually suggested that Voltan, you know, w- would, would return. It was indeed. We, we always had planned to have him return, but he doesn't return quite as he was. But uh, again, you've got to see the movie to find yeah. out. And we talked a little about the, uh, the amazing cast that you managed to um, actually uh, get for the original film. You, yeah. know, you, you had the likes of Roy Kinnear and, and Bernard Bresnel, who I actually loved as a giant. Um, what, what were those people like to work with? Fantastic. I mean, I was very lucky. I, I mean, I've got to admit that the, you know, the small parts were played by really top-rate, excellent actors. And, no, we had no problems at all. The actors were all lovely to work with. I mean, I was fortunate having worked with actors, you know, all my career as an assistant director. So, you know, I, I devised my own way of working and, you know, I went along with the, you know, very easy on set. You know, I like to keep a nice quiet set. I like to let the actors, you know, have the space to work in. And there was no problems with any of them. They were all great. In fact, you know, people like Roy Kinnear, who only had two or three lines, stole scenes. It was just, it was just fantastic. And with Hawk the Hunter, I'm hoping to do the same thing, to try and cast all the same types of roles with really good, great English actors. Um, are we likely to see, um, see the original Hawk return? No, I'm afraid not. John's, John Terry, who's around a lot, he's on a boat in the South Pacific. Now, it would be a new Hawk, a new Galt. There will be some familiar faces. Ray Charlson, who played the Killer Crow, uh, he will be coming back as a new character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, but, he was my okay. favorite. He was my favorite from the original. Yeah, well, he will be. He will be in the in the um, the new one as a as a an, an elf called Bowman. And there's a whole history about Bowman. And he's. I've also reinvented him because I want to use him in a TV series as well. He becomes a very important character. Cool. Um, but you know. There's a lot that can be achieved now in fantasy movies that unfortunately that, that couldn't be achieved back when you made Hawk, you know, effects-wise yeah. and stuff like that. Um, have you given any thought to sort of like the, the sort of effects that you're going to be wanting to use in, in the new film and series? Is it going to be mostly CGI? Or are you going to try and do a mix of both practical and CGI? Well, we do, uh, we're very fortunate because I don't know if you know, we've, uh, we've, signed, we've, we've got a deal. We, our co-producers on this are a company called Rebellion, who are a big, big games company in this country. And uh, uh, Jason Kingsley, who's the uh, 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 creative direct, head of it, a creative director, He's had some great ideas, and I think that we are going to use uh, uh, quite a bit of CGI, uh, but we haven't changed anything that, that we originally written in terms of the CGI. It's just that I don't know how we thought we were going to do it all those years ago, but we are now able to do a lot of the stuff that I don't... I think we would have had a lot of trouble trying to do it back then, but we, what we want to do is because the fans don't want us to wander too far from the original, so we are trying to keep it as as, as close in style and look and ambition as we did uh, Hulk the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was um, you know, I was actually amazed. I was reading the uh, article in the Guardian about it, and um, I think you you were talking about the the effect with the sword, how literally you was literally having to to throw the sword from one That's side right. of the set to the other, yeah, and. You know, and you know, to, 
having watched the movie, you know, several times, I've, I've actually got it on DVD, um, a, a proper legal copy. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, it kind of like, uh, I often wondered how that was achieved because I didn't see any strings or, or anything like that. And, you know, not knowing that you threw it, it makes me wonder how, you know, how on earth nobody got hurt. <laughs> oh, no, John Terry and I practice quite a lot. We spend most of our, uh, offset time. I, I used to, I had a particular way of holding the sword and as I threw it, I span it, so it spanned through the air, and he would practice catching it. <laughs> and we got pretty good at it. So most of it, all the effects, obviously, those were, were either in camera. Um, yeah, they were all in camera. There was no, the only things that were outside of camera were the mats, which were the painted mats of uh, various sets. That was all. Wow. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing to look back on it now. I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and you know, some of the map paintings were, were pre- pretty pretty damn impressive for the film, yeah, you was, know, considering yeah, he was the budget. Great. He was a, I, I was fortunate because that, having worked at Pinewood for so many years and being an old Pinewood boy, they were very good to me, the studios. They more or less let me have carte blanche, you know, with I could use what I like for sets. And the uh, the, the map painter, I can't remember his name, he was one of the greatest map painters we've ever had. And he was at Pinewood and he was, you know, we were lucky enough to have him come on board and do them for us. Cool. Another aspect to the, uh, of the film that I, I loved a lot was music. Um and you've you've actually got Rick Waitman uh, working with you on the music for the uh, for the new film. Um, I'm just wondering what sort of conversations have you had with Rick about that? Um, it was fantastic to get him. Really, I mean, it was such a coup. I mean, I didn't realise that my partner um, uh, my partner had contacted him, Andrew, and uh, the moment he said "Hawk the Slayer." To him, Rick went, "It's my favourite film. I'm an absolute lunatic fan. Yes, I've got to do the music." And so we arranged a meeting, and he was, it was wonderful meeting him. I mean, he was, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I could ever replace Harry, because Harry was brilliant. He was, you know, he was absolutely fantastic. But if I had to replace him with somebody, Rick Maitland's the person I want to replace him with. Mm-hmm. Are, are you shooting for a similar song like style of music, or are you going for a bit of a more modern? We are, we are, we are, we are the same... The same sort of style, but obviously we want to bring it up to date a little bit. But, you know, a lot of that I'm going to leave to Rick because I think he's already got fantastic ideas. Cool. I mean, you know, you know, so like, is, 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 the, is the original soundtrack available? Yes, I, I believe it is. I mean, I know that um, I often get requests to sign the original vinyl version of it. I don't think there's too many of those around, but I think you still can buy a vinyl version on um, online. Mm. I'd, I'd be after something more CD or digital because I don't have a record player. <laughs> uh, uh, that I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think the music's controlled by Sony. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't help you there. That's, that's too bad. Um... Which, you know, obviously, you, you, you know, it's pretty obvious now that you're as always uh, hoping to revisit Hawk, you know, based yeah. on the fact that you've got, you know, you've got so much happening with it. And, you know, you mentioned the games company Rebellion, you know, yeah. you were helping finance the film. Yes. Um, does that mean we could maybe see a Hawk video game in development yes. with the film as well as comic books? Absolutely. I think that's their, that's their main interest. You know, that they, they, they have taken the, uh, the game's rights and the publishing rights. So, yes, um, you know, Jason is a mad keen uh, Hawks fan and he believes there's a, you know, there's a, 
great amount of people out there who'd love to play the game. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of them. You know, I like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like to play the odd video game when I when I actually have a, you know, a four hour block free to do so, <laughs> um, which hardly ever happens. <laughs> I know, but it's. Um, but it, again, it's um, it's a story, swords and sorcery, and that sort of thing lends itself really well to video games. I mean, you know, you've only got to look at things like EverQuest and yeah. and, and such to, to know that. Um, Sorry. Well, that's why I've, uh, uh, that's also one of the reasons I think he was interested in it because I've expanded the story so much. I mean, it's it's really a huge canvas now. You know, there are you know lots of different things in it, lots of different peoples now that we will get to meet if we get into a TV series. So, it, it, you know, it is it is much, much 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 bigger than it ever was. Cool. You know, I, you know, I can't wait. I'm hoping I'm hoping that you can that we can actually get this extra funding for you. Um, well, and, and um, although you actually, you actually have so much backing from Rebellion, how much do you actually need to find? I know that you, you, it's 20% of the budget, but how, how much is, is that work out? We need a million dollars. A million dollars. So that's what, about uh, 700, 800,000? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, it's a big target to aim for, but it's the only way I think we're going to ever put this... Uh, you know, put this sequel up there. If the fans gather around and say, guys, we've got to see it, put your money in and we'll go get, go make it for you. Cool. Um, so what, what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, things are available to those that, that want, that want a pledge to the, uh, to the film? Look, that's being dealt with by Andrew, my partner, and that will be up on the, uh, on the Kickstarter site on the 30th. Mm -hmm. And there's some very, very good things. There is one thing I can tell you. Yes, I know one thing. I'm not directing, actually, this movie. Um, I've got a younger guy I've been working with who's going to direct it, but I am going to do what we call a fan day. And there's a huge fight scene in, it, in an inn with Gaul and the new Hanfa, he's the new dwarf, and a changeling called Grey Rook. And I'm going to shoot that day, and any fan that wants to come along, it's a reward. You can buy this reward. You can come along, you can be, be in the scene, and you can get your head punched out, if you like, and I'll be directing that scene. So that's one of the... One of the uh, the the, the uh, things we're offering up. That sounds awesome. <laughs> a lot of the press people have already said they want to be there for that day, so it's it is going to be a big day. But you know, um, and it's just time for me to come out of retirement and do that one big scene. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really hoping that we can that we can help you raise this money. Um, I, I, I myself will be pledging some something towards it. Well, that's very good of you. Um, I really appreciate it, Ian. Yeah, thank you. Because I, you know, I really want to see this. Uh, see this film made because the, the the thing that I loved about the original is you know it was a good humoured adventure I mean it was yeah. in, in on one hand it was kind of like a very dark story but it, it was kind of like a, I enjoyed a lot of the scenes between the giant and the elf character yeah well you'll get a lot more of that yeah. in this we've uh, we've stuck we've stuck very much to the same sort of structure so there's still a lot of, lot going on between the giant and the uh, and uh, the, the new character is called hanfer he's another dwarf um and there's a lot of comedy in it you know and i think that's important with these sort of movies you don't want to get too serious and listen i want mum and dad to take their two kids to see this absolutely i mean i you know i was i was a um... I think I was about 13 when I seen it, seen the well, original. So. Yeah, and that's, a, you know, that's the sort of age we would aim for. Okay, well, Terry, thanks a lot for your time. Um, as, as you said, Kickstarter is going to be starting on the, uh, on the, on the 30th. Yeah. So, you know. I'll be at Fright Fest for anybody who wants to see me.
<laughs> okay. Well, you know, hopefully we can, you know, help help get a few people down there for you. Thank Ian. I really appreciate it. And anything else you need, don't hesitate to let me know. Will do. And th- thanks a lot for your time, Terry. It's been been really fantastic speaking to you. And best of luck raising the funds. You know, I re- you know, I really hope that this this happens for you. Thanks very much, Ian. And uh, you, just, you know, once again, anything I can do, just give me a call. Cheers, mate. Okay, mate. Bye. Together, they took on the mighty Voltan. Together, they took on the devil's agent. Two blood brothers with only blood between them. Beyond the edge of darkness, there is a world of sword and sorcery. And that about wraps things up for uh, this week. Um... We've got, we've got loads of great shows coming up. Um, if you're wondering where the discussion segment of the show has gone, we're now also on Blog Talk Radio. So you can listen to this interview on blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash um, SFP now. Um, and we, we, we've basically moved our discussion format over to there and we're just posting the, the interviews on Lipsyn. And talking about interviews, we've got quite a few things going on. We've got a um, we've got a Matt Miller interview coming up next weekend, and then the following weekend after that, we have um, an exciting uh, Doctor Who uh, ring-aided interview. So uh, please be sure to continue tuning in, and we'll try and keep bringing you the you know the great content. Um, thanks as always for the support, and you know feel free to check us out on Blog Talk Radio. We, we we've got a channel there, SFP now. Um, Matt has a channel there as well, Genre Tainment, and it, we're all part of a, something called the League of Geeks, which is an exciting new network which we're setting up over there, um, along with uh, Jeff Burns and uh, his crew um, at Super Geeked Up. So, you know, please, please do check it out, and that's Bungle Talk Radio. Uh, dot com forward slash sfp now blogtalkradio.com forward slash super geeked up and blogtalkradio.com forward slash genre attainment we're, we're all there um as well so but without further ado that's it for this week um thanks for listening as always and we'll be back at you later <laughs>